Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by our host and star of this show, Kevin Kernan. This is Coaching Kernan, episode 360 on the network. Today, we're joined by, obviously, myself, Sal Marinello, the host of The Hot Corner, and Will George, the host of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Uh, look forward to today's show. Uh, guys, your shows will be later on in the week here, but before we get going, just want to thank two groups of people. First, our subscribers, closing in on 60,000 here right after Thanksgiving. We appreciate your support. Um, continue to download this and like, subscribe, rate, and review. Give this show five stars at the end because we battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like they do in Major League Baseball. We're going to hear about that today. And to Blackout Coffee, we appreciate your friendship here. At checkout, capital David, D-A-V-I-D, followed by 20. will get you 20% off. Be awake, not woke is their slogan. I'm drinking some of that right now as we begin our podcast here today. But I uh, want to welcome Kevin Kern. And Kevin, welcome back to your show. Good to be here, Dave. Yeah, glad to have you. Will, Sal, great to have you guys here on a Monday morning. Yeah, after that Always nice great. cold holiday. Yeah, it was good for all of us here. And, uh, you know, before we get into the some of the topics of the show, I'd always love to hear Kevin's Kevin's take on the, the sports world, some great articles with Ball Nine, um, some great takes on social media. I don't know where you begin. You got you a, a lot of great stuff out there over the holiday. Yeah, Dave, let's start with the um, last two articles I wrote for Ball Nine. Um, I think they're both important because one one deals with what's wrong with baseball and one deals with what, what's right with baseball and what used to be right with, with journalism. Um, I talked to a friend of mine, Dave Marcus, um, recently. Dave was the long time – he still is. He's the uh, producer, engineer for, for uh, the Padres um, radio. So he goes all the games. And, again, our show – and we made it clear – uh, to people, there's different ways to be in, in, in sports. You don't have to always be the star athlete, even though, you know, Will was a star athlete in, in high school and, and Sal was a good athlete and I was a good athlete, but we all found different ways to stay in the game. Well, Dave, Dave has been an engineer for, for, um, you know, Padres radio. And I think, I think it's Odyssey right now he works for. So he, he, he told me this story and this is stuff you don't hear anymore. And this is why people don't read newspapers anymore, because they don't get these kind of stories. And it was out there. I mean, anybody who, who knows Dave, and Dave's a quiet guy, salt of the earth, he'll do anything for you, and he's got a really good sense of humor. So he's in the he's in the booth one day, and uh, Peter Seidler, the Padre owner, comes up. And again, I did radio in San Diego. Um, I've been around teams my whole life all the different radio partners going all the way to Marty Glickman way back with the giants and, and everything, uh, you know, John and Susan who used to love me have on their fifth inning segments with the Yankees. So this is how it works too. So Peter comes up to the booth this, a couple of years ago and he has a really nice, he has a couple of nice sweaters for the talent, the talent are, are the announcers and the, and the, and the analysts, the play by play and the analysts. So he gives them the sweater and Dave, who runs the show, is just sitting there, 
and Peter goes, "Oh my God, I, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't get you this this gift." So he goes, "I'll take care of you." Now we've all heard that. I'll take care of you or in different ways through the years. And then especially the owner of a team disappears and you don't see it again. And, and your guys are wearing the sweater and it's just life. You get used to it and you laugh at it. But two days later, Peter Seidler um, comes back up on his own with the, the sweater that he brought the other guys and gave it to Dave. So he went out, whether his people got it or whatever, but he, he made the point. The point is he made the effort to fix something that he kind of screwed up when he was doing a nice gesture anyway. How many owners would do that? You know, you know, we can go across the board. How many owners even know the engineer guy on the radio? And how many would follow up on something like that? So it gave you that little story gave you insight into what Peter Seidler was as an owner. And he passed away recently. Um, you know, sad story, of course. And we'll see what happens to the Padres. But that's the human interest side of sports that you never read about anymore. You read all the garbage and the crap and, the, you know, uh, this guy, you know, uh, doing something on social media. It's social media. I don't call it sports journalism anymore. It's social media journalism because they just take something off of social media. And again, you get your information any way you can. And I get it. Sometimes you have to do that because the player makes himself. Um, that's how he makes himself uh, puts himself out there. But the point is, let's dig a little deeper and let's 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 get stories about people that mean something. And that story got tremendous. Uh, even you know, uh, the, Jesse Agler, the, 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 the he reached out to me from, from, and he said, "Oh, you captured Dave perfectly. You captured Peter Seidler perfectly." Those are the kind of stories that make an impact on people, and it's nice to be able to do that. So. That's my happy Thanksgiving story um, of a sad situation. And then my last column was, I had fun with this one. I call what the XWOBA, just like a curse word. You know, that's some stupid stat they've invented because the nerds don't know what they're looking at. And they have to have numbers to back everything up. And and it's a stupid stat. I'm not even, I didn't even explain it in the article for a reason. Because, you know, I got some questions. Well, hey, what, what does that really mean? You know, look it up if you care, but it's stupid. And uh, it, it makes no sense. So Baseball America, which used to be phenomenal, um, basically awarded the Yankees some kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they made a big deal because the Yankees are, um, organization was finished third overall. And these, meanwhile, you know, Tommy John surgeries, this thing, uh, are, are they winning games? They won 82 games. Um, let's get back to what's important, you know, playing defense, pitching, learning how to pitch. And, and, and along those lines, so I just made fun of the whole situation. Second overall, in, Yankees was second overall in zone whiff rate. Second overall in chase rate. Third in XWOBA. You know what? Show me some arms that can, can, can make the major leagues, that can win games, can be like a Garrett call. And the arms race, baseball is losing, and I'll finish up with this. Baseball's, and I'll let you guys go in, weigh in. Baseball is losing the arms race. I'm seeing today that Sonny Gray, 34 years old, you know, he's going to sign probably three years, 75 million with the Cardinals. That's the number they're throwing out there. Eight and eight. Eight and eight. I know he had a 2.79 ERA, but let's get back to winning. And I'll, I'll tie off all the loose ends. But look what the Eagles did to, to outlast the Bills. The Bills should have won that game 10 times over on Sunday. But the Eagles have winners. 
know how to finish, and it's, it's the same in any sport. The Rangers have winners, know how to finish. Nobody on the range. I guarantee you, Bruce Bochy, if you went up to Bruce, my good friend Bruce, and say, hey, Bruce, what's the XWOBA of so-and-so? He, he would give you that smirk. And he, 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 and he'd say, uh, uh, hey, you haven't been hitting the wine this morning, have you? You know, something like that. So let's get back to what's important in sports, in training, and 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 doing it on the field, and uh, those uh, that's where I, that's where I say so. So this this show can teach you so many different things, and it's not just uh, old men uh, yelling at clouds. It's 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 old men yelling at the thunderstorms created by the young men who don't know what they're doing. I had to look up ex woba because I didn't. Yeah, know I made it. people look it up. I wouldn't. Yeah. Put, I didn't even want to. I, Dave, I didn't even want to waste a sentence. I know. Freaking ridiculous it is. Well, even when you look it up, it's hard. It's very opaque. It's it's, it's justification add launch angle and exit velocity to another formula that is between on base percentage and another formula. They just keep adding things on top. Is it weighted expected on base average or something? Yeah, Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that order. Yeah, and it's and it's like. (laughs) <laughs> who cares? I mean, who cares? Probably doesn't you, take you know, into you, account. You, yeah, yeah. You're waiting. You're 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 doing weight, and you're 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 skewing numbers to make you look smarted of expected on not actual but expected on base average. That's what it is. It's a it's a justification of the the goofy stuff they already have in there. So I'm I'm glad that went out. You had mentioned about the arms race. Kevin and Will, you, you could weigh on this. Sal, too, because we talked about this on your show. Do we need to look to a place like Japanese baseball where they're not as affected by this stuff? Well, yeah, that's, that's another thing I pointed out, too. Uh, you know what? Why not just, you know, they've been so bad, and I'll, I'll let the guys weigh in, but they've been, and I mean Major League Baseball and, and everything, they've been so bad at creating, and um, since they've taken over, too, they used to have pitchers. You know, Jim Palmer, you had him on the show, Will, recently. Yeah. Uh, you know, Growing up, there were great starting pitchers. Right, right through the last few years, now there's only a handful, you know, and uh, and they used to have that, but they can't create their own. So I talked to some scouts who actually said that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's the future probably for baseball since they've screwed up starting pitching so badly. Go to another country and grab a starting pitcher like Yamamoto and pay him big because. But yet they'll still let these guys run the organizations the way they do and screw up more athletes. It, it's 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 so absurd what's happening in baseball now. It's ridiculous. And I hold the owners accountable. They're, they, 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 they need to take control of their game and understand what they're looking at. Like owners in the uh, NFL, certain owners have done, uh, you know, obviously in Philly and other places, because uh, a lot of owners haven't, and there's a lot of bad football too. So it's it's ridiculous what's happening across the board in sports. Well, um, to, you know, Manfred at the World Series spoke about his concern now for starting pitching in the big leagues. Wake up. Good job, Rob. Uh, Ten years okay. too late. Okay, you know, seven, eight years now, Kevin, you and I at ballparks when you were still writing and covering teams – and all the guys in the game that we've had on our shows have been preaching, you know, we are not going to develop any starting pitching if we keep going where we're going. You know, what what are we doing? We, we, we're overprotective. We're not pushing guys to become good starters. And we're getting hurt higher at a higher rate than we've ever been hurt. 
wake up. Please wake up. But always late to the table. And now I'm sure him and Morgan will figure out a legislative deal to now have a starting pitcher. I mean, aren't they actually toying with that where guys can't be openers anymore, that everybody should be a starter? And it's like, I, I, you know, they have no clue of where they've taken the game. Um, You know, and Kevin, I think I've shared this with you that a lot of the interviewees for general managers jobs become, they go through the commissioner's office now. Yes. So they're not, they're, they're not pushing Dan O'Dowd and Dan Duquette and Jim Duquette and, Brian the, great, and, and, and the great Brian Sabian and Omar Minaya and, and Jim Henry and guys who have been in the game and have had success as general managers. They can't even get interviews and they're not in a senior citizen home. They're still vibrant people who are very smart and understand the whole game a lot better than the inexperienced people that are now running the game. But yet for some reason, the owners and the, and, and, and the commissioner, they don't want that strong leadership there. I get it. You know, you're spending a lot of money and you want to be in control, but you need to have the, you need to have some trust to some people that truly understand the game. Sal, go ahead. You want to add on? Well, it's just baseball has become, you know, so reactionary that it's embarrassing to see them flailing about in, um, in, in the attempts to try to pretend like they're in charge and they know what's going on. And again, the injury issue is probably the best way to illustrate how bad they are at what they're supposed to be professionals at. And Kevin and I years ago were talking about this and we were saying you have amateurs doing a professional's job. So you're, you're, you're constantly trying to band-aid Look at all the things they've done in the last, I think it was six or eight years, and look at the explosion of uh, Tommy John surgeries. You went from under a quarter of the pitchers to over a third of the pitchers in a, in a very short period of time. I believe it was less than 10 years. So th- they don't know what they're doing. They have to change rules in order to make up for this fact that they don't know what they were doing. Uh, the other thing is, I, I think, too, is you have people who don't understand and aren't aware of the past. We've touched upon this a little bit in um, discussions of pitchers, and we've talked about how I wrote that piece about building bridges and how bridges from 200 years ago are still standing. Pitchers from the you know 20, 40 years ago were able to throw 200 innings into their late 30s. We also have uh, a case where... Again, not only aren't, aren't they aware of of that, but they seem to not be wanting to ask people for help. And instead of doing something different, they're just doing the same thing over and over again. And it's not; it's no longer trial and error. It is it's of an ignorance that is based in ignorance of the past. Um, and, and that's one of the things you see in discussions. I think Will, you passed on that post that someone had said Ted Williams couldn't be a dominant yeah. hitter today. Hit. That, and we've, we've discussed before about people were talking about DeGrom was an all-time great. Um, so you've got these people who have no idea 
because uh, they throw out things they've heard from other ignoramuses about let's look at Ted Williams. And Will, this was a question I wanted to ask of you because when I saw that Ted Williams thing, it, it just was amazing to me how idiotic it was. And I was thinking that all of the things, the reasons they give for him not being able to be good, which were, I thought, ridiculous. What no one talks about is how they're not allowed, pitchers aren't allowed to come inside anymore. And, you know, there's this whole thing, guys get pissed off, they protect the hitters. Of Will, of the guy, or any, even Kevin Dave, any of the guys that are good hitters this in this day and age, who, who do you see that would be able to handle the inside pitches that would come from a Seaver or a Gibson or a Palmer or any other pitcher in those days? Well, who, they, who in they, this they, era they, could handle that? They overreact every time anybody comes inside now. You know, the pitch can be high uh, high in the strike zone or actually over the plate, and they will overreact like they got thrown at. Right. So in your opinion, who could handle – who was a hitter that maybe, you know, that you see either physically or mentally has the ability to – would have the ability to deal with something like that? Or have they been totally ruined by this protection they're now given? Well, you know, they – you know, first of all, they all wear – body armor, which was never in vogue when guys actually used to throw at you. Uh, Most of the hitters dive in and they're very uh, overly aggressive looking out over the plate to drive the ball. And that used to get them, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, that used to get them knocked on their ass back in those days. So it's such a different world. But the thing that makes me laugh is the young people that have bought into, well, it's so hard to hit now because guys throw harder. No, they, the guys have been throwing hard in the big leagues for years. Um, Ted Williams, you know, would it would hit anybody in this era? And they say, well, you know, now you have to face four relievers throwing 96 to 100. So, again yeah. – if you don't command the ball and you make mistakes out over the plate, Ted Williams is going to hit them. And, you know, look at Ted Williams numbers. He, he plus he was a war hero. How many of these guys could go fight, fly fighter pilots over, over in wars twice during their careers and still put up the numbers that Ted Williams put up. My gosh, what, what world are you living in? And, you know, going back to the, to the starting pitchers, Kevin, you know, you mentioned about Sonny Gray was 8-8 eight and eight on a team that went to the playoffs and got into the second round of the playoffs. And think back to Steve Carlton in 1972 when he won 27 games, threw over 300 innings on a team that won 56 games or 57 games. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> so, Guys pitched longer to win games because they were that good. Now you have guys in the, 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 that are under 500 in Cy Young, and it's just ridiculous. To answer Sal's question, one guy I would throw out there that might be okay with pitching inside, that what I've seen of today's players, because it takes a mental toughness and also a uh, you know great skill. Uh, but I think Randy or Rosarina might might survive that somehow. Yeah, or, yeah. or Rosarina arise as a good hitter. Yeah. I don't. I I think Aaron Judge would survive in any era. Yeah, because um, I think Aaron Judge is big he's enough a to tough back kid. in the day. Don't forget, back in the day, fellas, not too long ago, 
you could go back out there and kick somebody's ass if they throw That's it right. down. You know, they, they don't let you do that anymore. So so the game has lost. Uh, I think there's been a, been a um, uh, they've taken out a lot of what used to make the games fun to watch and be strong and the toughness. And also the, just the, 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 for lack of a better word, the manliness of the game has been destroyed. Yeah, and they feminized pretty it pretty well. Yeah. It's, you, know, you know, you can't break up a double play. You know, people whine and moan. Oh, my gosh, he had his arm up and slid in and he hit my leg when I was throwing my bad throw to first base. Yeah, check out some of those uh, Willie Randolph plays from the past. <laughs> how about Hal McCray? Well, I just think that's a great point because everyone's always so enamored by whatever you might say. And I think it's based on certain physiques guys have, which we could get into at another time. But uh, they think that translates into them being some kind of superhuman or being able to play in any era when I think they've gotten so one dimensional that you have to, you know, scramble to sit down and come up with 20 guys that could handle the way things were done, just pick an era of the seventies when I think was, you know, some of the best baseball you, oh. you had. Well, think about, uh, think about Larry Boa and Bud Harrelson hanging in and making a play on a double play with Hal McRae or Pete Rose. Uh, Pete Rose or, or, you know, somebody else who played the game. Well, you could name probably almost eight out of the nine guys in the lineup every day that were coming to take your ass out on a double play and not give a shit if they knocked you on your ass and put you into left field. It was your job. You know, but, but you, know, Larry, you know, Larry's 5'10", 100, was 170 pounds, and that's about what Bud was, I think, too. You know, well, I mean, like, those were not- says it was your job, and then when you get back to the dugout, you know, you could be congratulated. But here's the other thing, too, and all you guys just mentioned it. You just pulled things out of your memory – that, that really stuck with you because that's what baseball used to do. It used to make great memories on individual plays, whether it's a – now it's just home runs or something stupid. But, uh, you know, a, a well, play at second base used to be a great memory. They've yeah. taken – they've and like Will always says, they, they, they're, they're, you know, they, they, they've taken away greatness, but they've also taken away a generation of fans' memories. There are no memories – from the what, what, what do you remember from this season? Like any kind of play like that, there are none because they don't allow men to be men playing the game. Well, and, it's and, really and, that and and with all the the replays, you're not allowed to argue. You know, you you have a generation that didn't get to see Earl Weaver and Billy Martin and 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 Tommy Lasorda and and and. You know, guys that went crazy out there. Lou Pinella early on in his career, you know, taking the bases out and throwing them down the left field line. My gosh, you know the, that that was entertainment that people liked. They you know they, they liked that. You know, we're coming to kick your ass today. You screwed up a call. We might lose the game because of you. I'm going to let you have it. Now they do the twist of the year, right? To say replay, replay yeah. Call. yeah. But, uh, even when guys do it, like it, not the bang on Aaron Boone, but. It almost looks effeminate when they go out yeah. and argue. It's yeah. not, it uh, doesn't look real. Um, I, I put, you were talking about Ted Williams. You know, I, I put a split screen up of a picture when the guy was talking about, and it goes back to your, all your points about, about toughness, where Ted Williams was up there with nothing guarding him, not even a helmet. Right. And uh, I put a guy next to him with the 
the hand brace, the, the forearm brace, the elbow brace, some sort of <laughs> shoulder apparatus, something from the knee down to the ankle, something on their foot, Wear and, a everything covered, and, a, and a mouthpiece. Like, um, I'm not saying the one, one way is, you know, like I would, I would go up there, but I would dare that guy. That's what I offered him. I dare you to step to the plate against any professional pitcher, any level in the same garb that Ted Williams had. And, you, and listen to your coach say, dig in. Well, you know, we gave, we, that's a great point. And to back that up, um, again, here's some good information for people if you want to read a book. And again, we don't, we don't get any, we, we're not getting a pump, pump, you know, we're not getting anything back for our opinions on this stuff. Uh, but, but I read this book on, on, uh, it was called The Cloud Buster Nine by Ann Keen, K E E N E. And it dealt with Ted Williams and really the military, the war effort, and how, how, uh, in North Carolina, they created these, they got all the great, they got all the sows of the world together, basically. They got all the great uh, teachers of, of physical fitness uh, when, we, when, we, when we were plunged into World War II. And they came up with a game plan how to make our, 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 our soldiers mentally and physically stronger. And, and, uh, and Ted Williams was like the leader of the pack. There was nobody stronger than Ted Williams, even though he had that splendid splinter body. But the things he went through and the things he did made him so tough physically and so tough mentally. And that carried back into his career, of course, into baseball. So so if you want to uh, expand your horizons a little bit and not, and not spend your time reading crap on Twitter or X, or although I do like X, I got to tell you, since you can find some truth there now. But the uh, the Cloudbuster Nine is the name of the book, and uh, uh, hardly it's it's got the AMBS recommendation. Uh, Kevin, also there's the book I think I forwarded to you guys called Wingmen, which is about Williams and John Glenn and how they uh, became friends during the Korean yeah. War. Yeah. And they mentioned that in that book that Williams came in and was one of the top guys in the physical preparation uh, tests that they had to do as they retrained them to send them off to Korea. Well, that's a great point. And it also shows, let's get back to my, my, one of my central themes today is manliness. These guys were men. Let's get back to being men. Okay. You know, uh, and uh, uh, if we don't, we're in big trouble. And I, I want to bring this up, Sal, before I forget it, because you mentioned it and I put it in my column about the uh, the uh, uh, injuries. Well, Max Scherzer, you know, to his credit, he came out th- this past week on the podcast Foul Territory and said that he's talked to the top doctors. You know, uh, he's got a big one down there in Texas and then there's the, uh, the one in L.A. about how because of, he believes it's pitch clock and a couple other things, but not only the elbow injuries are bad now, but they're they're exploding in in a different way. They're just so serious, and and nobody pays attention. I mean, Scherzer, your top, one of your top pitchers of the year, are coming out and saying this based on doctors, real doctors, not 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 the misinformation we got for so long for, over uh, the last few years, but real doctors who deal with everything from uh, you know. Uh, the one doctor did the, uh, the surgery on, on Aaron Rodgers for his Achilles. And, and baseball just, you know, doesn't really follow up. I got to have Max Scherzer in, in, in New York sitting down talking to all my people if I'm the commissioner after that interview. And I got to have, I got to come up with a solution. And Scherzer also points out in that thing. And, of course, it's, you know, a lot of people got upset by this because, oh, uh, you know, 
it, it's uh, something that's a mutual, uh, um, uh, you know, it was, it was bargained. In, in, in the competition committee, there's six owners, four players, one umpire. So it's a stacked deck. It's a stacked deck. So everything baseball is doing is wrong now. Everything. You know, it's in, to me, it's a perfect storm for injuries. It's, uh, it's a generation of guys who, uh, you know, because of travel ball, have thrown probably so many unhealthy innings as kids with too many breaking balls. And then they get into college or, and they get into advanced stuff where, you know, nobody's taking care of their arm properly the way guys' arms were taken care of. Then they get into pro ball. They're not pushed. They're babied because they say, well, you know, they were misused as kids. So let's, you know, you know, let's, let's overprotect them. But uh, every ball that they throw, they're trying to maximize velocity and spin and they're cranking the shit out of breaking balls, which is not healthy for you. And now they're doing it on a speed up clock so that they're reproducing that effort at a higher rate. So it's like a perfect storm to continue to have injuries because we're doing all the wrong things. And they're fatigued and Sal can address that. Yeah. Too. Well, we, we talked about that when this rule went into effect that there is going to be a problem because you have these pitchers who have been brought up to work on a certain timetable and now they're going to be rushed and they're going to have to be consistent and they can't do their strolls around the mound. They're going to have to actually become fit. And, you know, even a guy like Scherzer, he's a guy, he's used to that different timetable. I'm not accusing him of being unfit, but I am accusing pitchers of not being prepared properly for the change. And that's on the team that again, you're, you're changing something that's so fundamental to how they perform their skill you're going to get an injury unless you prepare for it. Imagine if they ran the 100-meter dash at the Olympics where they did all the heats in one day. What do you think that's going to do, A, to their times, and B, to the physical side of it if they never had time or they did not train to allow for that new difference? Well, yeah. It would would be injury after injury. And, so, and you know, the other thing we talk about, and I sent this to you guys, when you look, go back, again, I'm going to use Seaver. You guys could I'm, I'm disagree. I, I always looked at him as the gold standard as far as movement. He can't. You couldn't even get today's pitchers into those positions. He, he, the, what we talked about this, how he finished with that leg drive over his front leg, and he was able to hop to get square to also be able to field the ball. I mean, if you watched how he finished, it's really a remarkable delivery. And when you look at how kids today move, I don't have young athletes who could get into those positions because of a variety of factors we've discussed over time. So you're not now going to get these guys moving with 100% effort and try to get into that position because they can't get into the position. They, they get hurt from trying to just get into that deep lunge position, which again goes back to the problems that are created by the weight room. So aren't you know, one of the most important body parts in baseball? Strength and flexibility. That, that's a hip flexor issue, right? Well, no, the hips, your hips themselves, that whole structure, your hip, your glutes, your low back, your hamstrings, all of those things you, you combine to provide you with what you need. It's as, as if, look at, if you've ever seen the Brooklyn Bridge, 
and you have those two magnificent stone pillars. And then everything hangs off of that. That your, the, your hips are those stone pillars. And once you've got some kind of imbalance between your hips, between those stone pillars, that's where things fall apart. You know, one of, one of the other things, Sal, from a fitness standpoint, um, between spring training, regular season, the Arizona Fall League, I probably saw 175 games this year in professional baseball. Uh, I think I saw 12 pitchers running all year. Uh, on, a, on a daily basis, when I played, when I coached, there would be pitchers running hard three quarters, the full foul pole to foul poles. Starters would be running the stadium steps the day after they pitch for 30 minutes. Um, so you have guys that were creating baseball endurance with their legs so that you could have a good foundation. You had guys doing pickups and sit-ups in the outfield, not spending all your time in the gym. If you did all that stuff and you you did work on trying to recreate a good delivery, a controlled, powerful delivery like Seaver, like, you know, Maddox, you know, like all the great pitchers, Nolan Ryan, they had controlled power and strength in their deliveries. Well, that's also a point that uh... – I know uh, Jim Cott talked about not running, but we really got down to the bottom of that because it turns out Jim, he was running every night in the disco uh, dancing. Right. So, yeah, so, he was a dancer. Yeah, so so that that, that but, shoots. But, but, but he also said that he rode the bicycle. Rode the bike, exactly. As, as, uh, as Nolan Ryan got older, he was big on the bicycle because, you know, your knees start to take well, I remember interviewing Nolan. This is, how, this is how media has changed, too. After after starts, um, I remember down in the Astrodome, going into the uh, going into the locker room to interview Nolan uh, as a visiting writer, and and he would say to and there were a couple of us there, and he would say, "Hey guys, come on in. I got I'm riding the bike. I got to ride the bike. So come on into the training room." So they would actually let us in the training room, and while well, the whole twenty minutes we're interviewing Nolan, he's on the bike. So so why would you do that after games? After games, yeah. Yeah, why would he do that? What was the purpose? He would do that, I guess. I think it's not no better, but lactic acid. Yeah, it gets the blood flowing. And, you know, because you tear so much, you know, that, I mean, that was the whole purpose, you know, just the simple premise that, you know, every time you throw a pitch, you're tearing blood vessels in your arm. So the next day, you better go run a lot to get that blood flowing. Uh, You know, we used to go in and the trainer would kind of milk our arms where we would put our arms on in the air and they would you know get all that blood flowing through your shoulder your elbow all those things that were very beneficial at you know keeping you healthy the football teams that play friday night get up and go saturday and you do your light workout you have to get the body moving it aids in the recovery uh the sedentary you know recovery is is actually more damaging than 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 doing, you know, that can be more damaging than the activity itself. So you, you, the, the bike is great. The bike is great from a conditioning standpoint because you could push yourself and it doesn't get in the way of other necessary mechanics. When you watch these guys in any sport, girls too, with, with bad or jogging or slow running that have to then go out and perform explosively, 
that run is ruining them for their sprint. So the bike is a way that you could do a low-level intensity movement that's not weight-bearing, that's going to serve a great purpose, and it also does not get in the way of fundamental movement patterns. And also, what do we see when we watch NFL games or college games? There's always a, there's always a couple bikes there, and guys are sometimes riding the bikes. And, yeah. and, and along those lines, too, again, back when, when media had better access, uh, you know, Ed Whitson used to talk to pitcher, famous for the Billy Martin uh, affair, but uh, Ed Whitson used to have elbow situations, but he would get it, he would call it getting it thumbed out. The trainer would thumb out the, the whatever was building up in the elbow. And, you know, he'd go from not being able to comb his hair to, uh, you know, being fine the next day to be able to start. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways around the issues that they've created Unfortunately, it looks like they've created a lot of problems. And I, we're, this show's fl- uh, flowing pretty quickly. So I want to get to one other point real quick because uh, I thought it was uh, interesting. And, and everybody can weigh in on this, you three guys. But I, I was reading today that the, uh, you know, they always have the word of the year, the dictionary word of the year. Well, I, I think it's ironic. The, the word of the year this year is authentic. So we're living in the most unauthentic times, and the word of the year is authentic. So we've already addressed it from a, what I thought in a lot of baseball issues, how unauthentic they are. But I, I just wanted to get you guys to weigh in on what you think about the word of the year being authentic and where we are. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I, I think I've told you guys I read Rush Limbaugh's first book, and he talked about symbolism over substance. We've become just a society of throwing out bullshit words. And authentic is true. You know, Chris Young is authentic. Everything he did to build that team was authentic. Bruce so Bochy. Yeah. Bruce Bochy's authentic. That's why they won. So everybody's going to throw that out and say, we need to be authentic. But none of them know what it is. Because being authentic is a real thing. It's not a bullshit, made-up platitude. It's a real person who truly cares about everybody else around them, and they were trying trying to make everybody else around them be the best they can be. So, uh, but we live in this society where, oh my gosh, he's so wonderful. Did you hear how he talked? But then that isn't who they are. So. Uh, like you said, Kevin, authentic in the most inauthentic society in the world. Go ahead, Dave. I know you're, you're the genius of the group. What do you think? Well, I, I, I this was probably a little uh, insensitive of me, but at least that's what I was told. I had a couple of functions over the, the holiday, my you know, four kids and whatnot, and this person wasn't part of the group that we were with, but I had to, uh, I, I ventured into another little area where kids were, they were playing, you know, sports stuff playing. And one, one, uh, one individual I was told was, uh, what would be the proper word? He, uh, identifying as a lion, identifying as a lion. And I laughed. I thought it was funny, um, out loud. Just, I mean, I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You know, he's cr- crouched in a, in, on its stool and, and I thought they were kidding. And I, I laughed out loud and I, the, the, the individual looked at me and said, that's that's very insensitive of you to do that. And, and I said, for, for what reason? And uh, they said, uh, well, he has the right to identify as whatever he wants to do. And a whole bunch of 
stuff went through my head that I was, I was going to say, but I, I, I gathered myself and I decided to respond somewhat intelligently to it. And I, I was like, all right, I'll give you that. He could be whatever the, the hell he wants to be today, but I do not have to venture into your fantasy world. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, have, I don't have to venture. And to me, that's the authenticity that, we're, that we're, we're not seeing today. It's that, that kid's playing, you know, that, that was a, a sporting thing we were at. Um, so that's getting into our sports now. Um, it's, uh, we see it with the, and you know, I, I kind of know where you guys weigh on this. We see it into the, you never see females, tr- uh, trans, uh, what do you say? Uh, transferring to male. We see male transferring to female and entering sports. If you're a below average male athlete, your, your future is not in, tra- you know, transferring yourself to a female or identifying as a female and going breaking world records. And that's, that's, that's garbage right there. Um, well, that just happened at my old school, Rampart yeah. College. Right, and we were chatting about that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it happens way too often. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's. I have two daughters, and you know, I, they're, they're as they you talk authenticity. Sorry, I'm going so long on this, but authenticity. I have two daughters, and I am fearful that they are eliminating the female in female sports. Like it's not going to be a part of it anymore, and it, it's it's concerning to me. As forget about the sports background I have. But just as a dad watching my daughters grow up in this, they're trying so hard to eliminate that as a as an identity. I wish the women would get up and just fight. Damn it, fight for it. Up there at the time, and uh, uh, I hope she holds on to that record. And some uh, some guy from a beer league doesn't come over and trans, you know, become become on the women's team and starts launching home runs. Yeah, without, oh, without a doubt, it's, it's it can happen. Um, well, you're seeing some pushback. You know, fe- some females are f- refusing to compete. I saw a story of a of a one boxing story, very good choice, and another one a pool tournament. It was either in Scotland or Ireland. So there, you're starting to get some pushback. I think there is the case of a soccer a man playing with women soccer players, and the well, the man hurt a woman soccer player. I think there's going to be lawsuits in cases like that. There should be lawsuits. The person should be held liable. And whoever decided to allow that person, the male, to play with females should also be held liable. So, yeah, but why does everything got to come down to a lawsuit? I think. Well, because it just does. That's we. we that's where we are. Everything. Well, why can't the how how if if I'm on a swim team and some guy comes in and starts breaking women records, and and there's a package involved. Um, so to speak, uh, why can't I stand up and just say no? And and why don't why how why do the women accept it? This is, is probably a subject for another sto- uh, show, but uh, why why do they accept it? So that, but it gets back to our point. I'm glad you brought it up, Sal, because authenticity is uh, instead of just saying the word. I think we need to try to be more authentic, and 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 there may be repercussions. And uh, but so you know you got to fight back and. And again, uh, again, we're winding down. So I got one other thing I wanted to ask real quick. Um, and this is on, um, this is a future column I'm going to write coming up late in December, but I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm addressing this to Will. Uh, we see the guys on the veterans committee being named and things like that. And who's got a shot for them. And, and they're all good. I, you know, I, I don't have a problem, you know, letting them in. But how come Felipe Alou, uh, Will is not uh, is not on any of these uh, lists. I think uh, Felipe Lu should be in the Hall of Fame for a number of reasons because he's he's really the first true Dominican, 
in the family, of course. And he also was a, a good, really good manager and, and broke a lot of barriers. And he also is idolized in, 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 uh, in the Dominican, in the DR. So, uh, where, where, where does Will, where does he stand in your uh, situation? I'm looking at Hall of Famers. <clears throat> I think he is, Kevin, and I think you and I have talked about this privately. I think that um, our Hall of Fame has uh, always set the bar in some cases too high, uh, some cases too politically driven. Um, you know, the fact now that they just say, well, Kurt Schilling's not going to go in the Hall of Fame because why? Because he supported Donald Trump and he was a Republican. So, and, and, you know, he'll say some stupid stuff on Twitter. That doesn't take away from what he did on the field. Uh, I, I, I think Philippe Alou, um, you know, I listened, Joe Frasero had Casey McKeon on. I think Jack McKeon should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. He's had a birthday. What is he, 92? Yeah, 92 or 93. They went on the cruise. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of people that should be in our Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I think the modern voters are not very good at what they do. I don't know how you rectify it, but there, there, there's a lot of guys. You know, Tommy you, John. You know, did you I, cross I, I think, uh, pass with Felipe at all and the, or the brothers? I did. I, I Well, I worked with Jesus, and I, I think I told you uh, he was an original Marlin with me, and I used to cover the Dominican and had one of my funnest nights uh, on an off night in the Dominican of uh, having dinner with Matt, Matty, Felipe, and uh, and Jesus, Alou. Uh, uh, we went out, we had a great dinner, and Jesus said uh, – he said, my brother, Philippe Lou, he said, the reason he is such a good man of your will is that he is on his fifth wife. <laughs> so if a player does not perform, he is not afraid to get rid of them. <laughs> and as his wife did not perform, he got rid of her. <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, he was so successful in the big leagues. You know, you know, he, he led that Montreal group. It was one of the better teams that fought, fell apart after the strike. Uh, what, what, what could have happened in 94 had they not gone on strike? And I believe he went to the Giants and had a really good run there. Uh, he, you know, he was a great manager. And like you, you and I talked about, he was a very good hitter. The guy hit over 300. He drove in runs. He scored runs. He was a great teammate. And they, pitched, uh, just, and they pitched inside back then, you know. He yeah, had, you know, he had to get you know, away. Very underrated. There, there, there's a lot of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry I went long. And well, I one didn't. other thing on that, did you notice being out there with them, the family? What was the reaction like to to in the DR to him and his family? Well, they loved them. You know, you know, you know. The only thing I didn't like is when I was coaching and scouting his teams. Uh, he managed Escajito. Uh, before he got to the big leagues, the games would go on forever because he would start matching up in the third inning because because you were allowed to have 20 pitchers on your staff down there in winter ball. And it would be – and they were loaded. And, you know, he'd go right, left, right, left, right, left in the third inning. And you had no chance with some of the guys he was bringing in. But he was a good manager, a really good person, and, you know, the family is uh, historically great people. Uh, 
you know, and his son, you know, Moises uh, was a great player. His his other son is Rojas, right? Uh, who yeah, up it's, it's got something to do with the, uh, the when he when he came to the United States, the uh, they they basically gave him the Lou as a surname, and yeah. that in Dominican it's it goes with the mother and the, the other way around, and yeah. So uh, so that's why he's Rojas, and that's why it's it's Moises is Lou. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what a historic family, you know, and, you know, it's it's, it's like the Boone family. It's like the Bell family uh, that 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 has great lineage of in our game for 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 a really long time. That's going to be a great article, I think, Kevin. And, and people don't talk about the years he spent in the minors that he was passed over for managers jobs. Oh. In the bigs. Yeah, he was yeah. outstanding. He was always a good manager. That's why he stayed, I believe. And again, I, I talked I talk to Peter Karasadis, who, is, uh, who, who wrote the book on, on Felipe and literally. And um, and uh, I think that's why that's why he they kept passing him over. So he basically said, screw it. I'm going to just stay in West Palm, you know, where. Uh, yeah. he, so he didn't move up the ladder in, in the minors because he. He, he lived in the area, so he said, screw it. That, that's yeah. the kind of guy he was. Yeah. First, was the first one of the first Latin American players in the bigs, first Dominican manager, and then also first Latino to be named manager of the year. So that's going to be wonderful. When is that article going to be out, or is that? I'll probably wait until after they announce, who, you know, the, uh, the the Veterans Committee comes out with their announcement who they pick. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, guys, you want to wrap it up? You any last words, or is that how we're going to leave our last words? Go ahead, today? Sal. You always got something to say as the last word. Well, I, I, the, what I was going to say about that term of authentic, I think we're at a period where whatever we're being told, it's usually the opposite. <laughs> so rather than things being authentic, I think we're in an ultimate time of phoniness and we're being gaslit at every turn. We're being told things that are obviously not true. And we're being kind of treated as we're the crazy ones because we're not buying into it. And I talk about it with Dave and I on my pod on my podcast about where we are nutritionally, which is another factor that goes into all these injuries we haven't touched on. We didn't talk about football and the injuries they're getting there, but we're getting this situation where we're being told things are authentic and that's the way things should be. And it's just a sign of the times. It's the exact opposite of what's going on. We're probably in one of the most inauthentic, phony periods in uh, our modern civilization. I think uh, this show's been authentic, and we'll see uh, what kind of you know reaction we get to it. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Authentic now, it's like it's like ex woba, right? It should be called ex authentic. Yeah. It's, it's too damn confusing to define. X O W B A authentic. Right. We'll come right. up with our own dictionary and and just uh, take over the world. But with uh, with that, guys, great episode today, episode three sixty, uh, Coach and Kernan. Make sure we follow Kevin on, on social media. Follow all our guys that are Will and Sal are active as well. But follow Kevin. Two great articles a week on Ball 9. Let's continue to support them. Uh, support our guys over at Blackout Coffee. Be awake, not woke. We'll be slowly adding more people, uh, more groups to our network that support our mission, support our, our voice out there, support our authenticity. We'll only add authentic uh, sponsors as well. And uh, make sure you tune into the rest of our shows this week. Got a great lineup this week post-Thanksgiving. And with that, guys, thanks so much for a great show. Look forward to next week. Great job, guys. Okay. See you soon. Enjoyed it. Dave, Dave you. You gotta, uh, I think we should rename it the uh, Authentic uh, Coaching Kernan.
We will. We'll, yeah, I think so. We'll put it out there. Put and it all out your, there. All your shows. Authentic. Authentic. Just call it. I'll, I'll change real voice of the game to authentic voice. Nice. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll test it out there. See what they think. One, uh, one quick thing. I want to apologize for doing a very horrible uh, trying to impersonate Jesus Alou. <laughs> Yeah, I, I caught that. I caught yeah, it. You, you, you know, uh, don't leave my day job. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an impressionist or well, for, for the audience. That word translated was manager, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Manny York. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Jay Jay Lou was a wonderful person, and as was you know, as Philippe and Maddie, just great family. Moises, the whole the whole group. Used to have your baseball cards too. Yeah, yeah. Before my father threw them away when I went to college. Uh, well, just just one quick story. Moises saved my life one night. Oh, that's uh, he was on our team when I was pitching coach in Agulhas and got pulled over by the military police and somebody had hit and ran in a white van that I was driving, and I had. You were driving a similar van. You weren't driving the van. No, exactly. I was driving the van, and the the military police had a. A rifle with his finger on the trigger yelling at me in Spanish and I was drinking a Presidente beer driving and Moises is going, no, 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 Politeros, Politeros. And luckily he, he finally backed off and pulled pulled the gun off of my chest. So thank you, Moises. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way. That that alone should should get the Alou family in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right so well, thanks again, guys, for a great show. We'll be back next week, uh, Monday or Tuesday, with next coach and Kernan. In the meantime, follow Kevin with his, his two great articles, and and we'll continue to be authentic here on Real Voice of the Game and Coach and Kernan especially. Thanks, guys. Let me do